in eight weeks. Really? Yeah. So it's still, I like it. Yeah. Um, it, I can definitely see how convenient that would be right now. You have beautiful hair though. My hair could look like yours. Really. My hair is, my hair could look like that if I cared. I don't know what it is about me though, that every time I get it this long, then I immediately want to cut it. But then I cut it and I'm like, God, I hate it. Yeah. I, uh, I've always had short hair, which is sad because I could have beautiful hair. Um, you should like grow it out, but like take a picture like every day and like show your hair grow all the way out. Yeah. It, uh, I can't get it past here. Ooh. Does it just drive you nuts? The, well, the reason it's shaved right now is because uh, I wanted to get rid of the red. And yeah. I just didn't want to spend money, uh, valuable resources, even if it's a dollar on red hair dye at the moment. Um, yeah. And two, like I have all these calyx on my neck. And yeah. without, if I'm going to grow it out, I have to be able to get haircuts because if, there'll be like a mullet period. Yeah. It's sure. longer. And so it was getting mullety. And I was like, fuck it. Who's going to see me? Yeah, um, cares. And my options, like the Clippers, I did, they were like one of my roommates or something. So my options were a one or a four. And four wasn't short enough. So you're like, fuck it. One. But, uh, no, it is so like, I think everybody should do this at least once in their life because yeah. in the shower with the, I don't know if loof is the right word. It's one of those ball, not bally things, but you know, like, like a sponge, not a sponge, but you know, the plastic scrub. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a loofah, right? But doing that on your just scalp almost. Oh my God. And like the bathtub or the shower. Oh, yeah. It's just erotic it's amazing I can imagine. um yeah. especially at a time like this when there's so few fun erotic things happening. fun erotic things rubbing your head that works yeah um, but i'm really excited to talk to you because um you are a recent graduate of christy bukley's yeah the, um class that they do at voodoo and so you're like um which is what I want, what the nonprofit's goal is, is to get people scholarships to take those kinds of classes, yeah, sure. classes and stuff. So I'm pretty excited to talk to somebody who's actually went through the class. I know a lot of, a lot of comedians um, talk negatively about people that take comedy classes. Uh, yeah. uh, it's not something that I needed to get started in comedy. Um, but uh, I definitely can see the benefit of it, especially for women, I think. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think for me, too, just my personality, like I'm an accountant and I like to know exactly what I'm getting into. So and I've always wanted to try it. But I think just all the unknowns about like, OK, what is an open mic like? Like where how do I even find an open mic? Like things like that. It was so nice to have her class just because then I felt like. I wasn't jumping in like knowing nothing. Yeah. Cause I just, I couldn't get over that hump of being like, okay, yeah, just go to an open mic and wing it. Um, yeah. And, it's not even about teaching you comedy necessarily uh, yeah. or comedy writing necessarily, but yeah, she seems to have really given her 
students uh, a, a good six month leg up on somebody that just walks into a mic. Yeah, exactly. And I think the very first day that we started, she said, you know, I can teach you the mechanics of a joke and I can teach you, you know, like logistically how to get into it. But the only way that you're going to get better and improve is to actually go to open mics and get up on stage. So don't think that by taking this class, you're at all going to just automatically be funny. You know, like you have to put in the work and you have to go do the hard part, but this will at least give you kind of a framework where to start, which was helpful. So far, um, hang on, I gotta plug my computer in. Um, so far, the, the, the people I've seen that have taken her class um, are all funny. And uh, yeah, they're already, they're all just really, really, really funny. Um, yeah. So, um, and just the structure of your guys' jokes already, um, and the confidence you have walking up to yeah. the stage, your stage presence, um, which is half the battle, uh, is already so good. Um, yeah, and it was so helpful because she would just be like, hey, let's get on the mic, and it's amazing what just holding a microphone and talking into it and hearing your voice over a mic can do to help you, even if you're not, if you're talking in front of five people or, 50, it was just like so helpful to get used to that in an environment that was just felt a little bit safer than just like jumping out and going for it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I started in Wichita, so it was pretty, <clears throat> I knew a lot of the people that were there. My brother started before me, so I wasn't like walking into it completely alone and a yeah. smaller scene. I don't know if I would have been able to just start in Denver comedy not knowing anybody um, and just walk into a mic. I mean, I don't think I would have been able to do that, but I am also an accountant where I have, a, you know, an accounting background as we've discussed. Yeah. And so I do have that side of my brain. That's one reason I'm really excited to talk to you too, because you do have, you have both sides. You have this accounting, like a type personality organizational yeah. side like I have. And, and then you have the creative side of comedy um, that, that I have. And so it's really hard. It, it's a different experience to have those two brains going on at the same time. Yes, definitely. It's definitely, I feel them fighting sometimes. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I feel like there's days at work where I make jokes where I probably shouldn't. And times when I get too serious at mics, you know, I just have to find the good balance. Yeah, it took me uh, three years to really stop being so rigidly structured with my comedy. Like, my very first set I ever did is typed out, 12-point font, you know, double space, maybe yes. single space to keep yep. it on one page, word for word with actions and everything. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah. each one, like each joke is bolded and it's organized and then you'll have like different yeah no yeah it's so yeah it was very and then like i was so structured that i couldn't be flexible on stage like these are the jokes i'm telling and yeah regardless of how this goes i'm not going to swing to a different topic and also yeah. like, when you first start you don't have an arsenal you know so like if i but like now i walk into a room and i see it's a bunch of old white people uh that look conservative or something i'm like I'm going to do my kid jokes. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so I was not, I was very inflexible with comedy. Um, and it's tough too, cause it like, you have to be okay with not saying it verbatim the way you wrote it and be, because if you screw up on stage and you're not flexible, people can kind of see that. And so that was like, even cause I took two of, um, sorry, that was me. I took two of Christie's classes and like the, the improvement from the first to the second of just like my stage presence was so good just because I kind of started, that was when I actually started going to mics too, but just learning how to be a little bit more flexible is like, yeah, you know what, the premises and the punchline, right? But like, you don't feel like you have to just make a speech. Yeah. Yeah. Other. And I've gotten actually like, I'd say the last six months before everything shut down, um, even on shows, um, I would know how I'm going to get in and know how I'm going to get out, mm -hmm. but not play in the middle. Um, and, and it's been very enjoyable to just, yeah. Because that's how I am funny. I'm funny, like before I started comedy, I was funny for 38 years or however old you are when you start yeah. being funny. Just talking to people. I didn't think about what I was going to say. I just said it. And, yeah. um, you know, people are like, it's just the way you say things. Um, and you, I lose that. I lose that part of my personality if I plan too hard. Yeah, for sure. So. I feel like that's where... That's true where a lot of people, I think they get into comedy, do it because they're like, okay, I'm funny when I talk to people. And that's where I was at. I was like, yeah, I'm funny when I have conversations, when I tell stories, but translating that to something that works on stage when you're not having a dialogue and it's just you telling the story is really tough, but it is hard not like to lose your personality when you're just trying to like tell the joke the way you wrote it. Yeah. That's been hard. And I'm still, I'm like, that's the part where I'm like kind of working on it now is that there's funny stories that I have told people that I'm trying to get to fit into a non-stage format. And it's hard because I feel like I lose so much of what was funny about it. But so I have to like learn to be flexible, I guess, and like just roll with it. And that's why I'm so bummed about open mics because I finally feel like I was brave enough to just wing it on an open mic. Cause now I'm like, okay, I've bombed so many times. It doesn't matter anymore. It feels great. So then I could just wing it and just tell a story without having a joke right now just wing it and see what happens, see what comes out and then, you know, like cut it down later. But then I got, I really feel like I was building a momentum in the scene, you know, that, yeah. that I've been fostering since I came here in June and it was really just starting to get going in any way. And then, it was yeah. <laughs> but it was um, such a bummer. Yes. And it's hard to write. It's what I is it's hard to write and to stay motivated to write when you don't have an outlet to try stuff out because I like to be able to try stuff out and then go back and edit but without the ability to try anything out it's like okay is that good or bad I don't know he's trying a lot of mal on your husband yeah and he's he's like my toughest critic he he like doesn't laugh at anything I say so I what I try with him is just for him to say yeah okay People might get that. <laughs> it's good to have that. Yeah. Good reason. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't talk to a lot of people because I don't, I don't have a partner. I, Luke, my dog is terrible at giving feedback, you know, so 
I uh-huh. feel like Luke, your dog, and Luke, my husband, would probably be very similar. Because- oh, your husband's also Luke. <laughs> yeah, he's a terrible audience member. But he's the opposite of your husband. He just loves everything, you know? He's like, yeah, this is great. No, he's good. He, he'll say, like, he'll be like, okay, I get it. But, like, you have to say it funny. And I was like, yeah, I'm obviously planning on saying it funny. <laughs> but is this a premise that you think people would relate to? Yeah, it's hard to, like, actually do your act in front of, like, someone that knows you like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, to just really do the material, especially if they know the story or they were there for the story. Or you know, or if the story is about them. Or the story is about them. That is a tricky one. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff about him. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That's been a tricky one for me just dating because... They have to understand, uh, but they've come into it meeting me as a comedian, so they get what yeah. they get. You know, they didn't they didn't marry me as a normal person, and now their whole life gets to be told on stage. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, anybody who dates me is agreeing that yeah. unless they specifically say, "Do not make jokes about this," this is off the record. <laughs> this is off the record, um, which I have done. Uh, I've done, actually there's only really one that I like, I was with somebody that was a trans man and he didn't want me talking about it on stage. Whereas the, the person I dated before that, that was a trans man, encouraged it. He loved it. Um, so I respected that and I still respect it, even though I'm not with that person anymore, because that's still nobody's business if, if he didn't want it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like a very specific thing, but um, yeah, they don't. They don't take very well to it if it's negative, especially, or... Yeah. I mean, he's been a good sport. I think he's just of the mindset that if you're going to make fun of me, it better be really fucking funny. It'll be funny. How long have y'all been married? Uh, We've been married four years and together eight. Okay. So you're... Yeah. So we've known... Yeah, we've known each other. That's that's a solid relationship. So you guys... He already knows what you don't like about him. Oh yeah, he knows for sure. And I think he's, and it's funny too, because I'll tell these stories to our friends too. So I'm like, if if it lands with our friends at a dinner party, you better believe it's going in the set. Yes. If I can laugh, it's going in the set. It's going in. I will do anything for people to laugh at me. Anything. Yeah. People don't, and they take it too, like nobody, like nobody, audience members don't care. They're not going to go look up your husband. And, no, and, and I think also people laugh when they feel connected to a joke and when they feel like, and when they can see themselves in that joke, I think that's when I laugh the most when I'm like, oh my God, so true, right? So yeah. I think if people are laughing, it's just because they they feel that and they're like, yeah, that is, that's what life is all about, you know? Yeah. So and just your um, perspective on it, usually comedians' perspectives on it are so like, like I love your take on things. So it's like, um it is an experience they understand, but it's being told in a way that they've never thought about it before. So. Yeah. That's yeah, exactly. So, um, as a newbie, you're supposed to be on my newbie show. Uh, I know. So I, the other day I was like, Oh no, it's the seventh it I was know. on stage right now. But those shows are going to be real easy to bring back. Yeah. As soon as the pizza place is open or in, 
the shows right. I have at Bug Theater are going to be harder because there's already things scheduled. Now I have to reschedule everything, and it's like this whole thing. But the pizza yeah. place shows, as soon as we're allowed to go into a pizza restaurant, I'm they're there. on. We're ready. It's happening. I'm just going to start standing up on the table talking to people. Like, yes. You're going to listen to me. It's going to be great. It's going to be, my hardest part is going to be like, do I continue to work on the material I wanted to work on before all this or the new stuff I've written since? Everyone's yeah. going to be doing quarantine jokes though, so. Yeah, that's the thing is I was like, okay, I could write some stuff about quarantine, but it's going to be so, there's going to be so much stuff and it's all going to be the same concept. It's going to be a lot of white dudes giving yeah. a take. Complaining about how they have to stay at home all day. And their hot coronavirus joke. And they will listen to 12 bomb before them with, but their joke. It happened on, I did a mic on September 11th in Wichita, Kansas. Yeah. That was me and 17 white guys in Wichita, Kansas. Nice. And, uh, and it was a bucket, so I had to sit through all of it because I didn't know what I was going to be called. It was very, it was the most painful mic I've ever been through. And so I feel like, God. I feel like that's how open mics are going to be for a minute. <laughs> thankfully, um, Probably, yeah. thankfully, I'm at a point where I get up fairly early at mics, you know, not like super early, but yeah. you know, the first 15, 20 tops. So, you know, I don't have to sit through Girl. as much of it. Yep. No, I, I've heard a lot of jokes. Yeah, because you're new, so you're like, yeah. I sat there because I wanted to watch you guys, you and the other yeah. two who I can't remember the last time we were at a... Uh, yeah, it was at, where was it? Orange, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Irish Rover. Thank you, yeah. Yeah, so yep. I, that's the problem is like, I do want to hear new comedians, um, but to sit, I had to sit through like... I, I mean, I was done like two hours before you guys went up. I yeah, home, yes. I really want to hear you guys. <laughs> yeah, so yeah you were committed. I was like, this is really nice of her because I would be gone. Yeah. Well, I really wanted to book, because I want to book you guys, but I, I'm not going to book you just because you did Christy's class. You know yeah. what I mean? I want yeah. to hear for myself. And you guys were all just, you all blew me away, you know, with your act yeah, out you. um, and your comfortableness on stage. Uh, yeah, it all... It, 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 you all blew me away. You're all amazingly talented. And so, Thank you. um, you know, yeah, I think that, I think that obviously Christy can't give you talent you don't have. Um, but I think that definitely, definitely she, at least six months, maybe a year of, yeah. of wasted time that she Yeah. Just like you. fumbling through things and like, and it's also just nice to have a sounding board to get up and tell some jokes that you, because anybody who takes Christie's class, you better believe has written a joke or two already in their life. And they just like being able to try it out ahead of time in a safe, yeah. was just like so helpful. So highly she's, recommend. She's somebody like, I mean, uh, I would want to take a class from her. Like, in a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like she's, she's good. She's, she's a very, yeah, she's so funny. She's so funny. She's always been one of my favorites, even before I started comedy. Um, I saw her at, uh, at the, the festival, High Plains yeah. Festival, um, in like 2012, I think, 2013, 13 or 14. I don't remember. It was like the first or second one, but yeah, she was, yeah, she just blew me away. 
um, immediately. And she still does every time I see her. I never, I've never seen Christy bomb uh, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. And it's always fun too, to see her like, because we went and saw her at Comedy Works and um, it's so crazy to see her on stage and see how good she is and be like, wow, I got to take a class with this person. Like she's a, she's a professional and she's like taking the time to work with people like us. Like it's, it's a great opportunity. Yeah. I don't think people understand that. Like, it's not like she's just this random person. Like she is a pro and she's fantastic. Yeah. She's so good. And she's been doing it for a long time. Um, and yeah. So how long have you actually been doing comedy now then? When's your first? Uh, so I started in October. Yeah. Like October, September. So about almost maybe nine months. So, um, yeah, not that long. I feel like I was on a roll and then it kind you of, were, you were, yeah, you were just going to do shows and yeah. it'll happen again. We'll get yeah, right. It's going to happen again. We're not, yeah, we're not going to consider, I like keep going through like roller coasters of like, okay, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And then it's like, oh my God, what if this is it? This is the apocalypse. Like everything's going to fall to shit after this. Like I should start learning how to like rummage for food I don't know like and then I'm, I'm like no, I'm, I'm completely unprepared to live in that world um yeah me too uh, totally I can barely survive in our modern convenient world uh, yeah. uh I require a lot of over-the-counter medications uh yeah. and I require a lot of toilet paper <laughs> yeah well I lived in my SUV for like six or seven months when I moved here yeah. Um, cause it was the only way to escape Wichita. So, and I've always been super poor my whole life. So yeah. that part of it is not that I can deal with like what's happening right now. Um, but yeah. we're talking like walking dead, apocalyptic, yeah. the entire, like we have no power. Everything is shut down. I have to actually fight people to get yeah. food. I, I'm not sure I'm going to, I don't like confrontation, so I don't know that it's going to go well for me. I can do verbal confrontation, but <laughs> you don't verbally confrontate when you're trying to get the last bag of rice. That's some physical nope. confrontation. Yeah. And uh, I don't, I mean, I have it in me, I guess, to try to help my kids survive, but they're grown now. They can fight their own fight. Yeah. Um, my plan really, my apocalyptic plan when the kids were small was just to kill all of us. <laughs> I get it. I don't say, I can't say that that's insane because that definitely four kids under six. Yeah. Cause no. I remember like, I was talking to my husband about this and I think it's kind of crazy. This is the first time, like as an adult, as a full fledged adult, let's say like not in college or anything where something kind of crazy has happened. That's questioned like everything that I know about the world and how it works. And I was just thinking about how scary it probably was for my parents having three small kids during 9-11 or three, maybe not small kids, but three kids that were like legitimately helpless. How old are you? I'm 28. So I was 10. I was pregnant with my fourth child when 9-11 happened. So I had three, my kids were like one and a, like one, three and five. And so I was at home watching Blue's Clues and Dora the Explorer. I was a stay-at-home mom. Um, yeah, and so, you know, and then my husband at the time called me and was like, turn on the news. 
Um, so it was super scary when I had small children. But this would be scarier because as scary as 9-11 was, I was in Wichita. I felt very safe there from any of that craziness that was happening. It it made, I obsessively watched the news and I'm very like an empathetic person. So I was very, I got like, we had to just like, I had to, like, my husband was like, you, you got to stop watching the news. There's nothing yeah. to do about it and just live your life. Cause like for six weeks, it just kind of took over my life. Um, and so this would be even scarier because it, you know, as it, my kids are grown and it's scary um, yeah. because I don't want them to get sick, you know, and uh, it, it die. So there's, there's, there's a higher level of fear right now. You have children? No, not yet. Nope. No, we're, it's just us right now. And I can't even imagine, like my sister-in-law just had her third. And so she's got three kids under four, well, three kids under five, I guess. And I just, I would be so scared just me because I have OCD. So taking a newborn to the doctor, cause you have to take them, you know, she's brand new. I just, I, I couldn't imagine. I was already like that about my babies. Like, yeah, like, anyway, without a global pandemic. You're not kissing my baby. Don't touch my baby. Here's some yeah. hand sanitizer. You know, wash your hands. I was already like that about my newborns as it was. I would not yeah. be near anyone now. I can't even imagine <laughs> trying to it's take just... them out in public. I didn't even think about that, having to take them to their six-week checkup and shit. Yeah, because it's not like you can just say, okay, we're not going to the doctor. We can put this off. Like, you have to take them in. And I just was thinking, like, I just, that would be so scary. It was, I you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm grateful my kids are grown right now. Yeah. So I've got to learn how to, I got to learn how to deal with like those OCD tendencies right now too. just washing my, like, every, you know, I'm the type of person that washes her hands obsessively anyway. So somebody telling me that I should be washing my hands for a certain amount of time with a certain amount of temperature, like it's not been good for me. <laughs> yeah. I've always been pretty disgusting. Like I wash my hands when I use the bathroom yeah. in public every time, but at home, sometimes I pee and don't wash my hands. Listen, um, I was getting to that point and then this happened and now I'm like, I don't, I don't know anymore. Like, like surgical. Like yeah. Like surgical. how far up should I wash them? Should I use Clorox wipes on the rest of my body? Like, I don't know what, I don't know. I just don't go out in public as much. Uh, very rarely. And then I feel pretty safe. I feel safe in my home. I have two roommates, but they're, they're pretty homebodies too. So I, I, uh, I just don't go out where I'm going to be exposed. Uh, yeah, we try, we've been doing pretty well. Like I think the one thing that's killing me is the dog bags. Cause I haven't, we're out of dog poop bags. So I had to buy, like get some from the park. And so then I'm like, where have these been? So I'm like wiping down dog shit bags, like with Clorox wipes. And then I'm like, should I wipe down the Clorox wipe now with like, um, just, so I just stay inside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much like, I could be door dashing to make money. That is my income. Um, yeah. but I, it's not worth, if I have to wear a mask and gloves to do yeah. it. I'm not, I'm not doing it until I have to. So I'm just like really hoping this calms down because I'm going to have to DoorDash um, in a couple weeks if something doesn't happen financially for me. They're giving me back my federal return eventually that they took for student loans, which will be awesome. It's like I lost money. It's my last good return with the kids on there and stuff. So that'll be great when it eventually happens to come. 
Um, yeah, that's always slow. Yeah, so, you know, but I'm not going anywhere, so I'm not really spending any money. That's the crazy part is, like, I just didn't realize how much we spent just on a daily basis, just, like, buying random stuff. I don't know. Like, we, we're saving so much money right now, and I'm like, did we really eat out that much? Jeez. Well, I keep track of my money. Uh, I always have, like, obsessively, because my parents, like, yeah. were poor, but also a lot of it had to do with just mismanagement of money, and I am actually terrible with my money still, but I do keep track of it. I use Microsoft <laughs> money, which you yeah find funny but it's the only one that has the cash flow review that I need that will predict my cash flow for the future in a way that I can see oh I'm gonna go red here I gotta do something um so that's my husband does that he's my husband's like we're both accountants but like since we started dating even what it is about me and I think it's because like at work I'm a very organized person and everything and then at home I'm like whatever yeah the money so he does all of that and he's got like this big detailed spreadsheet and I'm like do we have enough money and he's like yeah we're fine <laughs> yeah I'm only that level of organized if you're paying me to do it yeah if, if I'm managing someone else's money I'm real good yeah I'm real good yeah I was gonna say oh I'm super organized I can like understand all this technology I need to at work as soon as I'm home I'm like babe how do you turn on the tv I don't get it I need help how do I get on Netflix you only have so much brain power yeah, there's only so much space. And, and, and work takes it all. That's one reason I don't have a day job is because it just really sucks the life out of my brain to where I don't have the power, brain power left to give comedy. And I can't be at a mic until 10, 11 o'clock at night and then get up because I'm old. You know, I'm 42. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that's been t- That was tough. Like, because I was going like two or three a week and I was feeling it, but like when you're like sometimes at the voodoo mic, that one's so popular, you get on like 11, 11. I'm good at that one. And I'm like, oh my God. It's you so should try it. I want to try all the mics because of the, because I run the 5280 comedy site. Yeah. Um, and people do ask me, I do get frequently, people want to know like what mics are the good mics or what mics have an audience or what mics are worth being um, out that late for. So I do want to try all the mics at least once. Voodoo is awesome because it's in the voodoo like theater area. So like in, unlike like a bar, yeah, people that sometimes talking because they're at a bar, this one's like more like a stage, like an actual stage setup. So people are there to watch. And I imagine it's close, it's close to like a comedy works kind of situation. Yeah. You can get in a local scene at a regular open mic. Yeah, it's it's really nice. It's just like a good opportunity. It's really busy though, so you have to be, you know, you usually only get like three or two minutes, but still. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like in the beginning, I'm going to have to do it at least once, but two, three minutes, like, I don't know. Is that too short or too long? Yeah, I don't want to like discourage anyone from doing the voodoo comedy open mic okay i'm sure it's amazing lauren's running it right lauren yeah she's She's amazing i love her i'm sure it's great just because i'm shitting on it does not mean anything okay so i just want to get that out there but like to go and sit for three two three hours to do two three minutes it's and it's not comedy works 
Yeah, it's a lot. Like most, I mean, it all depends on how many people are there, but usually it is packed. But there's a reason it's packed. Yeah. Yeah, because it's the one place I feel like not comedy works where I've been able to, where you have a a captive audience. Mm -hmm. Captive audience where you're not kind of fighting with all the other distractions. So I like it a lot, but you definitely have to, I feel like I go to other mics and I figure out what I want to do at Voodoo. Yeah. I used Let's to do that joke. I was very structured at the beginning and I started in Wichita, so we didn't have a lot of mics, but I, we had a comedy club um, uh, that does a mic once a month now. And it used to be every other week or something, twice a month. So I would, I would have like, like this mic is never anything but comedians. And it's usually like mm-hmm. seven or eight of us. So that's where I would say things for the first time. And then I would take yeah. it to this mic and then I would take it to the club. And so I used to have a lot more structure. Um, and I got very loose. I think a little too loose for six months. I've gotten a little too loose now. I, I need to, that's how I do things. Like, yeah. like I was super religious for like three years, like obnoxious. And then um, when that ended, I swung way over to atheism, just obnoxiously militantly atheist, right? And now I'm kind of coming back to the more agnostic and, you know, spiritual. And I kind of like tarot cards, you know, crystals. You gotta find, it's all about a balance. I feel that's with everything is you're never gonna be perfect or like one exact way on any topic and really with comedy since it is an art form to get into what we're actually talking yes. about you kind of got your origin story which is a short story because it hasn't been that long yeah um but uh yeah th- th- it's an art form so what works for one person is not going to work for everybody else and everybody has their own process like i'm not i'm not a journaler i'm not one that's like okay i'm gonna have writing time right now because I will rebel against that structure. It'll make me not want to write if I feel like I have to do it. I don't like doing things because I have to. So um, for me, like I'm going to write every day at 9 a.m. It it doesn't work for me. Um, And it works really well for other people. They need that structure or they won't write. I have people are like, what's your process? I'm like, I don't know. Generally, it starts with a lot of marijuana, um, at least in the writing part, not necessarily in the performing part. Uh, and I just think funny things and I write them down. And then sometimes, usually there's a, someone with me and I'll say something funny to somebody and uh, I'll be like, that was really funny. Hang on. Let me write that down. Second. Yeah. yeah which is obnoxiously annoying, I imagine, for other people. I feel like people just have to get used to it. I've told everybody that. I'm like, I'm going to write that down. That was funny. And that's kind of how I feel like mine kind of is. Like I was trying to do the whole thing where you write for 10 minutes a single day because that's what Jerry Seinfeld told me to do. He is so structured. If I don't have anything that I am feeling that, like if I'm not feeling like it, nothing that I write is going to come out funny. Usually what happens is I'm like in the shower and I'm thinking about it. And then I'm like, that's funny. Oh, that's funny. This is how this joke will go. And then I get out of the shower and I type it into my phone and then I can build off of that. But like, it has to like hit me. Yeah. And I, you also have to learn to just be okay with that because sometimes I'm like, well, I'm not writing. I'm not, I don't really want to be a comic. If I'm not writing, then I'm not putting in the work, but 
you have to figure out when writing is works for you because if you're forcing yourself into it like you said like my brain is going to be like no I don't want to do this and then nothing creative is going to come out of it but Seinfeld is like so structured um in a way that's it is amazing to me and I really really uh admire his ability to be so structured and yet not you can't tell that when he's on stage at yeah all. no it's drives me nuts but I'm sure it's like you have to think he's been doing this for so long and that's why he has that stage presence but it's but it's not going to work for everybody like it's just not it's not like 10 minutes a day just might not work for me maybe it'll be three hours one day because I'm in a groove and then none for a while I go for days without writing a word of stand-up yeah and then yeah and then it happens and just recently I figured out a way um, a really good joke I wrote like three years ago that I really love but isn't because my jokes are about my life and so another problem for me is like telling a story that sounds like it's current but it was really three years ago mm -hmm. uh, I feel like I'm lying and so yeah. but I was a, I was able to make that joke relevant again and attach it to some new material that I wrote and bring that baby joke back to life and and you know that i love that feeling it's a yeah good feeling um but uh yeah well you know because it's an art form so what works for everybody now i think like if you're talking about writing a novel or writing a screenplay or something like that yeah. um having some structured time where you just write is probably probably the only way that you can the only way you're gonna get it done yeah that thing that's huge, yeah but, um which one of the like i have a, a screenplay i very very loosely outlined that yeah um, but you were talking about like some trying to get some of your stories on the stage is that some stories just aren't right yeah. for the stage there's too much things people need to see or hear or you know yeah there's like too much background that you have to set up that's just not going to be funny and the laugh is not going to be big enough yeah to tell all that background and I think that's what a lot of people like a lot of people be like oh this would be a funny joke like remember that time we did this and I'm like yeah mom that that is funny to us but that's because we all know each other so well trying to make it funny for you know Three, a three-minute joke is a whole different, a whole different rodeo or whatever you call it. A whole different yeah. ball game. Ball yeah. game. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love. Yeah. You want to? You can use that in your material. You can use that in a skit. They don't say you material. That. Yeah. When or like people will ask me like, when am I gonna? When are you gonna make write a joke about me? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like. Do something funny, I guess, but are you sure you want to joke about you? My best friend since high school is kind of about her. I don't have more material about her because we've, <laughs> we've been friends since 94, but uh, I don't really have a lot of, I have like one joke about her and it's not even true. Yeah. It, it, the, the, the story I tell that she's in is kind of distorted. Uh, Which I feel like all jokes are a little bit distorted but yeah she wasn't the one that was wine drunk and crying and saying she was gonna die alone i was 
So, but, but uh, she but was you, happy yeah. just to be in there. Yeah. But yeah, so like, uh, yeah, what, so what we're trying to do with the nonprofit is to send people to Christie's class and then yeah. I want to get teachers in other areas like, um, uh, like North Colorado, South Colorado. I have Zoe Rogers in, in North Cove for stand up. And then I just talked to uh, Joe Kimball before you. And um, I did not realize she started improv as a, as a youth. And so troubled youth is another, you know, branch yeah. of the nonprofit that I want to get into. And um, she'd be amazing for that because she, she was a troubled youth. She really is interested in it. So so that's exciting. Um, you know, and then I want to like, I want to do it everywhere. I want to take over. I want to, I want to get, I want to get little satellite art of comedy. Yeah. So I want to recruit teachers in other areas where there aren't any, um, which gives that comedian an income too. Yeah. You know, and very so true. Just, yeah. Just, and so like, you know, the goal of the nonprofit is to, um, teach people comedy and improv to overcome trauma and like work with like sexual assault victims, domestic violence yeah. victims, um, really any woman or, you know, that, that, that needs it. I haven't really, I'm still working on how I'm going to get the people to give scholarships to like, how does that, yeah. work? you know, do I just have people submit people for it, you know, or, yeah. I, I really want to go to the organizations, you know, that, that work yeah, okay. and yeah. um, have them recommend people to it too. So that I'm still, it's still, I just filed the 1023Z. So it's not even officially a nonprofit until that's all yeah. finalized. Um, but I should hopefully come out of this ready to rock and roll. No. Yeah. I think this is awesome. And I think like the best way you could do it and, I'm wondering, because I know a couple people that at like the crisis center, the women's crisis center, the, I, don't, I think it's, I'm not sure if it's like Douglas County or if it's all of Colorado, but it might be a good place to, because they have a lot of things like where they're just helping women um, with just different So that might be something that you could like contact organizations like that. And just yeah, and you ever heard of Dress for Success? Yeah. Yeah, they they do a lot of work with women who have um, left abusive relationships and have never worked or they came out of prison. I really want to get into prisons. Uh, like, like, like low level, low security prisons, you know? No, I think that would be, that would be awesome. I've always felt really passionate about criminal justice reform and just kind of helping people that are, yeah, like people that are in that situation, like, just from my personal experiences, I can see how easily you can get to that point. And I think that there's a lot of stigma around people that are, you know, in prison or have been to prison. And I, I just think that that would be an awesome opportunity to help them develop skills. Like stand-up comedy just helps your overall confidence in general and your public speaking ability. So I think presenting that to them and giving them that creative outlook would be awesome. Um, and I think it's like a resource that they probably don't have access to or haven't even considered. Yeah, because I know like, I can imagine myself, you know, 
if I'd have gotten in trouble for some stuff I did in the nineties, got, cause I used to do drugs, you know, and had quite a, you know, you know, I didn't deal drugs, but I was yeah. a, a little bit. And so there's a lot of things I've done that could have sent me to prison Yeah, for, you know, a long time, years at least, you know, not my life or anything. Um, but I got real lucky that I didn't get caught is that's yeah. the only difference between them and me. I didn't, I got lucky that I didn't get caught. I wasn't yeah. a criminal. I sucked at it. Actually. I just got real lucky that, um, I don't look like a criminal. Um, especially yeah. I had, you know, a minivan and yeah. small children <laughs> and I didn't, so cops weren't messing with me. Um, yeah. so I was a really good mule. Not that I, I didn't transport drugs with my children in the car. Just but I had you them did have a minivan. But I did well, have a minivan. I think there's also not only like you didn't look like a criminal, but also there's certain people that they don't have the resources if they do get in trouble to help themselves out. I think. Yeah, I would have been screwed. I would have got a public defender. I would have yeah. got whoever I got. Um, my family had no money to help me, um, out of any situations I got in. Mm -hmm. Um, so I could have very easily been one of those people. And I think that like, I, when you're a drug user and there's no, and you're in jail and there's no hope that things are going to be any better when you get out, why be good in jail? Why mm -hmm. try to get clean? You're just going to go back yeah. to this crappy life you had that made you want to use drugs and there's no hope. And so yeah. when you don't have hope, it's really hard to get clean and uh, to stay good in prison and not get wrapped up in the criminal stuff and stay in prison longer. So I think yeah. if I could get into prisons and, and, and do improv and stand up that even if they don't do anything with it, once they get out that, uh, just, I can't, you know, like if they get obsessed with it, they're going to be thinking about doing comedy. They're going to be thinking about their, yeah. they're going to be finding funny things all around them instead of focusing on, you know, the bad. Yeah. Thing, yeah. Know. And it's just going to show them probably another avenue that they've probably never been exposed to. And you know, they got good stories. You know, they've got you good, know they got good stories. like, oh my God. So if, yeah, I, I am like, so for that, I think that's such an awesome idea. Yeah. So it's one of the things. So it's just, uh, it's a whole other, just like how to make that happen. Like I have no idea. I know yeah. it's possible. I know people go into prisons and do all sorts of things. Uh, yep. But just. I, I'll, I'll like some things. I feel like there's, there's gotta be a way to do that. I know that there is like a financial literacy program that they were bringing in and I'll, I'll, I'm going to look around because I, I think that's an awesome idea. I feel, I feel super passionate about that. So. Yeah. Like trying to get people trying to get the prison system to see it as valuable. Yeah. Is probably going to be the toughest thing. Um, yes. <laughs> and then there would obviously have to be, in the prison system, some censorship of what they yeah. could joke about. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of factors. It's, it's probably going to be, it would have to be prisoners that were already doing pretty well, that the prison felt comfortable allowing to yeah. do an open mic type situation. So there's a lot of factors, but I really feel like it's, it's definitely, that's definitely something that can happen down the road once, you know, yeah. I, we get like, like, that's why I'm like focusing on like women first. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. because it started, do it all at once. yeah, because that's it started with the festival 
that I started in Wichita, the female festival. And so that was just about connecting female comedians together to build a network for so they could like travel and yeah. have somebody in a different scene that they can be like, Hey, is this guy a creep or, you know, where's a safe place to stay? Things like that. Um, and then it kind of grew into, it, it grew into more where I was like, yeah. I, think I could really, I think I could really do some good in the world. Uh, with comedy um for sure yeah and improv i just think it's just just from doing it if i went no further than i did now i've just gained so much confidence in everyday life just from doing that i don't know if maybe it's just the idea of bombing once and you learning that you you know made it through and you lived through it just realizing that okay if i can do that i can do anything but yeah um just that's the thing too is like it's just you know, a lot of abuse victims and stuff. It's just a matter of getting them to be able to hold their head up again um, mm -hmm. and look people in the eye when they have a job interview, you know? Yeah. Even if that's all they get out of it. Yeah. No, I love that. That's really the goal. Like, if they become comedians and become famous and get on TV and, you know, invite me to their secret weddings on their island, you know, yeah, I mean, that's what you're really trying to do. You're just trying to just like collect potential famous people. I get it. I'm not going to be famous. Like, I, yeah, it's a good strategy. Yeah. I mean, people are like, no, you could totally, I can't wait till you make it and you're famous on TV and everyone knows who you are. I was like, that's not happening to me. I mean, if it does happen, I'm certainly not going to be like, no, but it's not anywhere near a goal of mine that it's not a yeah. motivator for me. Fame is not a motivator for me. I think also that if you're going to get into comedy fame and, and like being, having a Netflix special or something that cannot be your, the, what, the why you do it because there's like just the amount of work I've put in since October, it is so much work. And if that's what your whole goal is and that's why you do it is because you want to be famous. Like you're going to quit because well the only actually the only way I think not the only way some people stumble into fame but for the most part people that are famous and are at that level really really did want it and 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 the amount of commitment it takes to to want that and think it's actually going to happen yeah is beyond what I have to give any world it's insane but, but yeah. I mean, it's probably a self-esteem thing too. Like I don't, I mean, I know I'm funny. I'm funny enough to be respected by other comedians. I'm funny enough to be booked on shows. I'm funny enough to amuse people, but there is something that those people have. There's like this, just the it factor. There's just, you know, there's something they do have. They do put a lot of work into it um, that people don't seem to, people always think like, people just became famous overnight. They're overnight yeah. success. And that's yeah. rarely true. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I that. <laughs> maybe Bo Burnham, because he was so young when he started. Yeah. He's, that he's, is what drives me up a wall is that I didn't have the confidence to start this when I was like freaking 20. Like, why couldn't I have started, you know, when I had I started 38 kids. Yeah. So like, I just, I, like, and maybe it was that I wouldn't have been, maybe I wouldn't have been funny then because I feel like I've lived through some things that have really like changed my perspective on life and made me funny. And so maybe it wouldn't have worked out, but damn, I would like to have those eight years just to like. Yeah. 
I already feel that's the thing too is like this quarantine is killing me because I already feel because I started so late. I really feel like people are like it takes ten years to get where not even famous, just where you can fi financially support yourself on comedy. And I was like, I don't have ten years. I can't be fifty yeah. years old. I I got to get it done faster. And so I was like, I had this five year thing in my head, and now it's completely set back. Um, but yeah. this is, I, I don't think I'd be financially supporting myself just on standup in five years. But um, now my goal is just to support myself with standup and comedy related endeavors, uh, like producing. Yeah. I really, really enjoy producing. I enjoy producing new comics. I enjoy the energy of new comics. I, I think it's one of the reasons that I haven't, I stay less jaded about comedy. Um, is because I do like to spend a lot of time with new comics and yeah. their enthusiasm and um, just fostering new comics and supporting them. Yeah, um, no, you, you have been awesome. I remember when I was at Bruise and you came up and sat down next to me and started talking to me because I was just like sitting off by myself like, I don't know anybody, but I'm just gonna chill here. Yeah, whenever I see a new female comedian, and I was like this in Wichita, and they used to give me shit about it um, there. But yeah, when I see a new female comedian, especially, like, I hadn't even seen you do comedy yet. Um, but especially if I see them do comedy, and I see that they're funny. Um, but in my experience, uh, most females that try to do comedy are funny. I, I'd say percentage-wise of the females that I've seen actually attempt comedy that so few of them are not funny that just the fact that you're there attempting comedy. Yeah. Makes me feel like you're probably funny. So I am just like, Hey, you're a woman. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Don't run. Come here. It's okay. I'm here for you. This is my name. This is how you find me. If you <laughs> want to go to a mic, I'm here to support you. If you have any questions, let me know. Welcome yeah. to the club, you know, Welcome. Yeah, no, that was super helpful. Cause it is, it's like very scary. Like, and I, I've never been the type of person to be like, well, Oh, women have it so hard, whatever. But it is very scary and intimidating to go somewhere where the majority of people are male, most of them white male. And you're like, I do not fit in like there. And it's not that they're not welcoming. I haven't really met anybody that I don't find to be very nice, but you know, it's just hard to like, you can't just like sit down next to them and be like, what's up? Yeah, you don't have an immediate like connection. Yeah. Of yeah it's just experience. Like even if we weren't both in accounting, you know, we're both women and we're both yeah. women in comedy. And that immediately gives us an insight and connection that I don't have with male comedians. But I mean, I've always been somebody that growing up I hung out with men more than women. I, I my best friend was my cousin who was a boy. I usually would have like one female friend, but I didn't like women or hanging out with women when I was younger yeah. um, because they were, they, they were awful bad you know, you know bitches. Um, yeah, high school. Yeah, yeah, high school girls are terrible. So, um, but now, but so I am comfortable walking into a room full of men um, yeah. and holding my own and, um, and all that, but I know that that is not the experience for most women. I know that yeah. I and can you, put myself in their shoes. You get better at it. I think I've gotten better at the just feeling 
calm sitting at a bar by myself. And if somebody comes to talk to me, that's great. Like I'm not the type of person that's going to like be like, Hey, what's up everybody? You know, but I'm getting better at just being okay with being like, okay, I might be one of the only women here. That's all right. It's fine. Nobody's, you know, like that doesn't mean you're any less funny than anybody else, but it's scary at first for sure. One of the reasons I wanted to be in Denver so bad is because of the amazing female comedians that are here. Um, Cause I was in Wichita, Kansas and there weren't very many of us. There were, of, 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 of like actual comedians that were really like comedians and this is what they were trying to do. There were like two of us. Yeah. Um, and then there were maybe three others that were, they were, they were active, but like one was like a chef that is also a comedian, not a comedian. That's a chef. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, um, so there just weren't very many of us. And I honestly, uh, don't really get along with those. Not that I don't like them, but there wasn't like they were all there was. So when I had a falling out with those two female comedians, uh, that was it. That was all. That was all yeah. I had. Yeah. And so, yeah, that kind of well, helped. There's been a ton of awesome female comedians. And the other great thing about Christie's class to plug it one more time is, yeah, there's a lot of women that take Christie's class and then you kind of feel like, okay, now I've got a buddy like Dana and I and Janae and Laura, like we all took Christie's class together and now we kind of read each other's writings and Vita too. I think you met Vita. Um, we read each other's writings and then we'll go to mics together and just having like a buddy that's like, Hey, I'm going to meet you there. We can sit together. That's like so valuable. So if anything, Christie's class just helps you like meet people that have the same interests as you because you can't bring your non-comedian friends to an open mic. That doesn't work. So having somebody, whether it's another female or not, it's just really valuable. Yeah, um, and Christy's classes aren't all female, right? They're- no, there's definitely, there's definitely males in the class, but um, I think everybody that I've still hung out with has been female, you know? I don't know why. It's probably, I feel like it's a majority female in those classes. Um, there is, yeah, I would say there's probably more women than men. Which is great. Yeah, I, uh, and it's not necessarily like, and as far as like overcoming trauma, it's not necessarily that you even have to make jokes about the trauma. Yeah. To, to have comedy help you, you know? Um, just, just, yeah, just the confidence, just. Yeah the confidence helps and I think also it helps you view the world in a different way in a different light whether it you may not be viewing the trauma that you went through in a different light but just taking focused time to think about things in a funny way whether it's hard stuff or just stupid stuff it just kind of like I feel like lightens the load a little bit yeah it does make your brain find the funny therefore find the positive in every situation um that's why i have at least i got some good material as my only tattoo at the moment and i got that six months in um yes. because like that is so true though because you can think of any situation i've been through since starting comedy i've been like you know though that was pretty funny and i'm gonna write that down yeah every like i like since like trying to date and stuff in in since i started comedy um you know, my relationships are all been pretty short. Uh, I mean, I did have one, three, I guess that's not true. 
for the first three years of comedy, I was with one person for the most part. Yeah. For the first, yeah, um, maybe two people. Yeah, two people. Uh, and uh, but since then, since I've been single for like the last year, I'm really burning through them. Like, yeah, it's like I get the material and I get out. You gotta <laughs> get out. Yeah, I've gotten what I needed from you. Thank you. Yeah, this isn't fun anymore. I'm leaving. Is really. Uh, which I know does not work for a long-term relationship, but if it stops yeah. being fun six weeks in. No, then you're done. It should still be fun. It needs to yeah. not stop. It needs to be fun for at least a year. Yeah. Yeah. There shouldn't be any huge issues. Definitely. That's what I always laugh about when people have these huge issues that, and they stick together and they've only been dating like four or five months. I'm like, you, no, that shouldn't be like that. No, get out. It seems weird. That seems weird. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you can, and it, maybe it just helps put less pressure on you in like the way that you're living your life. Cause I feel like, especially with social media now, there's so many, there's just so many images that you're fed like all the time of like, this is what you should look like. This is what you should sound like. This is what you should eat. This is what you should talk about, whatever. Comedy just helps me be like, okay, but what if all of that is bullshit? I think it is. So like, let's laugh about it and look at it from a different perspective because you're doing fine just the way you are. Yeah. You know, and when you tell a joke and people laugh and make you feel like, okay, they are also in the same boat as me. Yeah. Cause I mean, I did have a pretty solid understanding of who I was when I started comedy um, because I was 38, you know, and I am an overthinker. So I analyze everything, but um yeah. But I have, I have learned so much about, and it's not that I've learned who I am, like I've become so much more comfortable being who I am um, in a grand scale. I don't have to, cause it used to be like, I had more than one version of me and like only people on the inner circle really saw this Helen that you are seeing, that, 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 yeah. that people are seeing on stage. like when people don't know me, they think I'm a, a very introverted, quiet person, um, yeah. which is not who I am at all. Um, and so like, it's really, it's really helped me just be who I am all the time and yeah. be okay with that and not, and then not, uh, have to change my mask for every situation. I still have to, if I do want to work a day job, especially in yeah. accounting, you gotta change it a little bit, yeah. I was an HR manager when I started comedy, so. Oh, really? Yeah, so that's gotta be weird. I immediately blocked, and I was people's bosses, you know, so I immediately immediately went on social, all the social medias, found everybody I worked with and my bosses and blocked all of them. Yeah, you definitely um, gotta do that. Well, and people at work will be like, oh, can I see your stuff? And I'm like, uh, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I didn't even let people know I was like, I don't let, I didn't let employers know that I was a comedian until yeah. like I would keep it under wraps. Um, now I don't care. I think that I just did have a phone interview for a job the other day that went really well. Nice. And, but I think they Googled me cause they were really into like this, this, this recruiter was really in, like he wanted to Google the places I'd worked at and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm pretty, like, I never got a call back. It went really well. It seemed like he was like, yeah, we're going to, we'll set you up with an in-person interview or we'll do a phone interview and, or we'll do a FaceTime interview. And then yeah. it really felt like it was going to go to the next level. I feel like maybe he Googled me 
and saw my, you know, Facebook, uh, any of my posts or pictures, because everything is public. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, yeah you don't find anything. Because I don't care. If they don't yeah. want to hire me because they don't like the fact that my current Facebook image says that I'm a fat, lonely bitch and I'm smoking a joint, um, don't hire me then, because yeah. that's the confidence comedy has given me, which may not always be the best thing, I guess. <laughs> but... Yeah, because that's who I am in my off time, which has no bearing on the fact that I can be a really great accountant. Oh, oh, there you go. Now you're back. You were frozen for a second. Okay. Yeah, it has no bearing on the fact that I can be a really great accountant. And I don't put my job on my Facebook when I work at a company. I yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working there. I've never done that because I think that's really weird. And I don't make any jokes about, I, I really never made any jokes about any places I've worked. Cause it's just not that funny. Um, I was going to say, yeah, like I just, there's just not that. And, if, and if I made jokes about accounting, the only people that are going to get it are other accounts. So yeah. Like my love of spreadsheets. I have like five minutes about spreadsheets. Yeah. And the only people that are going to get it are the, are me and you and maybe three other people. I'm on. Yeah. Yeah. So I do like, if I ever get to, I would love to do like a, uh, like a set for like a society for human resources management meeting. Yeah. That would be yeah. great. Cause there's so much good stuff I have about oh, I can imagine. resources that no one's going to understand. Oh, I could not do that. I don't think I could handle it. Yeah. We're doing a set for some accounting people our office yeah. people. Like, like, uh, I really, that's actually a thing you might think about it. Uh, there, there's really good money to be made in corporate comedy. Um, yes. Oh yeah. I can imagine like, like retreats and stuff like that. Like, yeah, like their annual meetings of their stockholders mm -hmm. and stuff like yeah. that and like company parties. Um, and there's a real, real lack of females in that arena. Yeah. I um, can it's hard to write jokes. I feel like all of the funny things and maybe I need to think about it more, but all the funny things about working in an office I've heard before. So it's hard to come up with something new like okay yeah somebody always microwaves fish we got it yeah okay yeah the only the only jokes i've written about a job were one that i left because i was having panic attacks because it was stressing me out and yeah um, those jokes are just about how i wanted to i had to quit because i was making a playlist to murder everybody by <laughs> like i would walk around and collect the paperwork out because it was like a shop you know like a machinist mm -hmm. shop so I'd go collect paperwork and stuff uh, to do my job and with earbuds in because it's very loud out there. You can't talk to anybody anyway. And so instead of having ear protection, I would just do earbuds and I would listen to music. And so I just found myself walking around listening to like, like tool or heavy metal, just thinking about like, this would be a real good song to be listened to as I kill everyone. As I um, kill all of you. I need to leave. <laughs> I should leave. I should leave. Before yeah, leave. I think yeah. that's the best choice. Not that I understand work shootings. Okay, it's bad. Okay, <laughs> don't do it. Don't kill people ever. But if you're at that, if you're in that headspace and that's your vibe, I think that it's time to do your job. I get being like trapped in a job that you can't quit because you got to pay bills, you know. And yeah. You, and you hate it, and it's just ruining your life. Yeah. And, 
I can't do that again. I can't. I'll be poor and live in my car. I can't yeah. go back to being in that world again. I'm I've so definitely sorry. had jobs like that for sure. Uh, where I was just like, if this is what life is like and this is the purpose of life, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, no, forget it. So, uh, yeah, I think we covered everything without actually nice. really trying to cover everything. I'm getting better at doing this. Uh, Look at us. <laughs> no, I, I, my problem is I'm trying not to do all the talking. Um, no, I feel, I feel like we, I feel like we have a good balance. No, it was good. It was good. Yeah. yeah. Um, cause I will just dominate a conversation, <laughs> especially this topic. Cause it's like my thing. But I know. I it's like so exciting. I don't want to spend every podcast like repeating everything, but there are some concepts that I want to get out there that yeah. if you didn't listen to my other podcasts and this is the first one you're coming to really, no one's going to listen to this. It is how except, for, except for me. I'm going to re-listen to it so I can hear my own voice. No. Oh man. I, I, in testing this out, uh, my friend Brooke, who lives in Omaha, who's like one of my best friends, who's also a comedian, I, I was like testing this out. I wanted to see how the quality came out with recording, you know, and stuff like that. So I was just like super stoned. And so was she. And she's like, I'm cutting this part out, but she's like a, she's like a teacher um, and she just got a job, but like the video part of it, like she's hitting a bong and she's like, wait a minute. Wait. If you do release this, can we cut out the bong stuff? And I was like, yeah, I keep forgetting that you are a responsible adult. In yeah, you got like to teach the kids and stuff. And then we started talking about like dating and actually drop some names. <laughs> and so I'm going to like bleep out the names. Uh, yeah, you have fun editing. That's going to be a blast. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, this, so that's what I really, I, it was really a practice thing. So I don't know what I'm going to do with it. It's not, I didn't talk to her about any of the topics that would be for art of comedy. Um, yeah. But we do, I do want to interview her like for real yeah. about yeah. this topic. But yeah, we were just really, really stoned and having it hanging out. And it's super funny. It's hilarious. I think people would enjoy it, but it's going to take a lot of editing. To That's awesome. And I'm not releasing the video of it because I'm like, shit. <laughs> and it's from a terrible angle. And I didn't think about lighting or anything. Um, like, I Yeah, well, I've been like Zoom calling for work all like the last three weeks. So I've kind of started to figure out the best place to sit with the best lighting because. Uh, you have a great background. Yeah, it looks like I'm an alcoholic. I really don't drink that much, but. Water. That's what's been behind me for every single work call I've taken. And I'm like, I promise I'm not. It's that. five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> Save water, drink wine. Yeah. The other one? The other one is just a nice little picture. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I didn't realize that that was there until my boss was like, oh, it's five o'clock somewhere. And I was like, yeah, this is a great background. Yeah. Sorry. You're good. I need to, I got to figure out the scheduling software because I really can't, I had three in a row today and it's not that I can't do three of these in a row. Um, cause I can talk and you've all been so completely different and I'm really, I'm finding things out that I didn't like, 
like I didn't know Joe started as a teen. So when I talked about yeah. of youth, she really latched onto that and was like, oh, that's very interesting to me. And then I brought up the prison thing with you and you're like, oh my God, you know, yeah. that's really interesting to me. I've always been interested in, you know, political or not political, but the reform. Yeah. And so, um, so I'm finding out things. That's the thing too, is like, I know I can't do this by myself. Yeah. And, oh, I would definitely, you let me know what you need and I'm yeah. Cause I'm in it alone at the moment and I, I don't have, I've just now gotten to the point where I'm starting to pay people to do like graphic design and stuff for me. Yeah. I have a good enough, but not yeah. the professional level I want for my show. Yeah. And stuff. Um, so just finding the people, I know enough about things to know when someone else knows what they're talking about for the most part. Yeah. Um, That's all you got to do. You just got to know if somebody else knows what they're doing. Grant writing and the law surrounding yeah. nonprofits are probably my weakest things. I, and so like, I do want to, I do need to learn a preliminary basis of those things. So I know grant writing is pretty easy. Cause it's like, these are the grants I wrote that I won. You know, they, they, yeah. they have some empirical evidence that they can give me to show the kind of money they can bring in with yeah. writing. Um, but the law, they, somebody can tell me anything they want. I'd be like, Oh yeah, you're a lawyer. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, sure. I have no idea. You, you sound smart and you're charging me a lot of money, so you must be right. Yeah, you have a law degree. You must be telling me the truth. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be that person, but I do want to find, <laughs> I'm not like opposed to having men. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it's not just about, it is about females. Um, and, and there are good men out there, but I really want it, it to be a female LGBTQIA, you know, I want yeah. the people involved in the nonprofit to to be one of the subsets that the nonprofit yeah. preferably. Um, yeah. It doesn't really matter so much with who my freaking lawyer is. Um, <laughs> but I would just make sure they're good. It doesn't matter what they are. I would rather have a female lawyer. I'm just I like, yeah. It, so that's that's kind of hard. I'm, I'm you know. It's all still happening. It's not happening as fast as I'd like. Well, let me know if I can research anything. I'm good with Google. Yeah. Like send emails or whatever. And uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely when like the prison thing starts happening. Or if you, I mean, if you find some shit on your own that can fast track that and get it to put. Yeah. Because I have like my goals, like females definitely first and then the community and troubled youth and then prisons. But if I was, if you were, if you came to me, it was like, Hey, I got a contact. We can get into prisons in two months. Yeah. It'll be, you know, we just got to rob a bank and then we'll be in. <laughs> no, don't you go to prison. <laughs> um, but yeah, I will let you know. And I've got some contacts too, just from a female perspective, just yeah. different organizations where like, if we wanted to just put out a flyer or whatnot. Yeah, um, totally. I'm down. I'm all I'm ears down. for any suggestions yeah. that you have. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, like I have thought about, cause I want to kill my ex that's with my daughter okay. and, um, yeah, naturally. and I feel like if I killed him, then I get off pretty light, you know, um, yeah. I might get a decade. And, yeah. Uh, but think of like how much, like I think a decade in prison focusing on comedy and then coming out of that after like what's Whoa. probably going to be a very well publicized murder. 
Yeah, imagine yeah. the material you would get. So many shows would be made about me because how many people killed their ex because they're marrying their daughter and they don't want him to have this would be it would be like Tiger King status. Yeah. Like I'm gonna kill my ex because I wanna make I don't want him to procreate with my kid and make yeah. grandchildren, you know? Yeah. That that is so that is like still the craziest relationship triangle I have ever heard of in my entire life. It's so abnormal. And it's not I even just, normal for like my family. You know what I mean? Like we, it's just, we're normal people. My family, very solid long-term relationships and really yeah. good at monogamy. And like, it's not white, it's some white trash, Jerry Springer, crazy ass shit. They just, no it's one's just, equipped to handle. Yeah. When you first told me, I was like, wait, what, what? what? That's why it's hard to write jokes about it. Yeah. No it, one relates. There's jokes there, but it's definitely tough because, yeah, you're right. Like, nobody relates to that. Like, that's just crazy. And it's such a dark place you have to take them to to get them yeah. back out of. I have to have at least, like, I can, I have five minutes of solid material about it. And if I have 15 minutes and I can do five minutes of kid jokes, five minutes of that, and then five minutes to bring them back up, I yeah. can usually do it, but I have to have at least 15 minutes, which doesn't happen that often at this point. Yeah. Um, and I have to be in the right mood. There's a lot of factors to me being able to. Yeah, you can't just dive into that. No, no. It's, um, yeah, taking them That's down that road, it's hard. Feels so crazy. It's so crazy, but I love, that's my favorite five minutes of material I've ever written. Though. <laughs> it, Thanks a lot, suckas. Even if I never use it, it's been so beneficial to me to write it. Um, but see, that's where the benefit comes from. It's like you can have this terrible, dark situation, and then you're like, oh, but I, but look at the material I got out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I got, if I can get material out of that, the yeah. worst thing that's ever happened to me. Like, yeah, you can get material out of anything. It's worse than a, any of the sexual assault type issues I've had. It's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. If that's I can get crazy. material out of that, then and if I can survive that, I survive yeah. that. I'm on the other side to the point that I can write material about it. I, That's the thing is you got to get to a point where you can actually write it. Yeah. I'm fucking invincible. I feel invincible, yeah. emotionally invincible. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. I survived that. I'm going to, you're going to definitely make it through the pandemic for sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Depends <laughs> on the day. Some days I'm like, this is great. This is good for me. I'm writing a screenplay. I'm gonna come out of this better. It's gonna be amazing. I'm getting all this stuff done for the nonprofit. Yeah. And then some days I'm like, it's over. Life's life's over. over. I'm gonna die alone in this room with this my dog. It. Yeah. No, I I definitely get that. I'm like on a roller coaster, but today was a good day. At least you're like not trying to meet a life partner. True. It is very. It's been very nice that we've been like here together. I, I was thinking about that. I was like, if I didn't have him, I would, I would be a fucking mess right now because I am an, I'm a terrible overthinker and he is very logical. So he'll bring me but down and be like, you're lucky because you have a good life partner. Now I've been trying to think of like one person that I've been with or even like a friend or a family member trying to think of like one person that I could stand to be in this pandemic with, especially like I mean, I have roommates. I obviously can go in the rest of the house. It's not a very big house. Yeah. I don't spend time out there. I'm in my room. Um, so one person that I would want here with me 24-7 in this room, and I can't think of one person. 
that I like. I mean, we definitely have, don't, don't get it wrong. We have our moments where we're like, okay, we need to be separate for a second. But um, no, overall, if like he wasn't here, I would be in a ball in the corner. Just overthinking yeah. constantly. Yeah, I went, I went through, like when comedy first got closed, um, it was such a huge blow to me. But that's because, like, I dedicated my life to it for the last year. Like, I, I got divorced. I left my kids. I lived in my car. I, I completely went all in on comedy in a way that I, I have never done anything in my life. And it was all I had. I didn't yeah. have a boyfriend. I didn't have anything. Um, so everything was taken from me. I was dating somebody when this pandemic first started. Uh, not, like, too seriously. Yeah. Um, and that ended pretty quickly after because, yeah, I, I spent four days in a row with him. And you're like, and? And then we completely imploded in a blaze of glory fight. Nice. That, that got, like, all of his neighbors looking out their door in a pandemic. Oh, God. Like, yeah. As I walked down the hall crying, they're all like, everything okay? Oh, my God. <laughs> but, so it started out really strong for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh, man. The first three weeks of the pandemic, okay. I had, uh, what all happened? Comedy got canceled. Yeah. Me and the guy broke up. We've been dating since January. I, I really cared about him. It was a blow. It did hurt. Yeah. Um, and then I lost my glasses for a couple of days and only had contacts. And That's rough. Those were dwindling. And I was like, oh, my God, what happens if I run out of contacts? And I don't find my glasses. <laughs> then I started a job for four days. And I worked nice. on doing accounts payable. And then I got fired. Nice. Yeah. And not even, okay. Like, so I'm like working from home and we're in this chat. And all I did was suggest, I moved some things around in the accounts payable email box, yeah. uh, which he got mad about. And I suggested maybe a different way to process things. Um, and he did not like that I was suggesting new processes to the processes he had, that he had thought. And I said, and it's in chat. So it's really hard. It, I don't think if we were in person that any of this would happen, but because we're yeah. chatting and he doesn't hear me, he doesn't see me. He doesn't yep. know me. Um, maybe not. It probably would have still ended this way because I said to him, he was like, you know, you're, you're too new to be in reinventing the wheel. Just do it the way we taught you. And um, I said, well, I, you hired me because I have over a decade experience with accounts payable specifically. Like accounts payable is like my fourth yeah. day of accounting. Okay. And you hired me because I have this ex over a decade experience doing it. And I thought you might want to use some of my experience um, because yeah. I did accounts payable at a company that had twice the volume of accounts payable this company has by myself. Um, yeah. And here is how I did it and why I could do it efficiently alone. And uh, he did not like that. He did not like that. And so what happened was I went back to doing my work. We ended the chat. My, my, my last response was, okay. That's all I said was, okay. He was like, just do it the way we taught you. I just said, okay. And then went on doing what I was going to do. I think the problem was, is because I said it in a group chat <clears throat> that gave the other AP clerks 
a chance to be like, that does started, make sense. Yeah, you started a revolt. Yes, mm-hmm. and and they don't have, the other AP clerks did not have the experience I have in accounts. I could do my boss's job and do it better than he could and had more experience with accounts payable. He has finance degrees and all this shit, and he's moving up in the company. He doesn't care about accounts payable, okay? Accounts payable is my thing, okay? Yeah. So, yeah, they were all like, that does make sense. That would be better, and then, yeah, I don't think he liked that, and so I go back to doing my job, and then I get a call because it's through a temp agency, you know, temp to hire. Yeah. And I get fired. Like I'm in the middle of working and she's like, they're going to let you go. What happened? He said something about you moving some stuff around in the email and you just not being the right personality fit. Um, and I just, I, I didn't care because it's a temp agency. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like I was cussing when I was talking to her and I was just like, yeah. he doesn't like that. I criticized his process. Yeah. And uh, that mine might actually be a better idea. And I don't want to work for a company that's just going to discount my experience. Like I'm some sort of fucking newbie right out of college. Yeah. Well, also I think any company should just be open. Even if you are a newbie straight out of college, if you've got an idea, like you've got to be. Especially when their current process is so bad. Yeah. Like as a boss, like you should always be like, okay, I'm totally open to something new. Like, and maybe at that point in time, it was like, okay, let's not do it now, but let's do it in, let's consider it for, like for next time or something, you know, like if there's not enough time to implement it now, but like people that are closed off to new processes, just they get stuck in a rut and like they make their lives hell for no reason. I really think that if I were a man, it would have been a whole different situation. I don't, I think he would have still been offended by it, but he wouldn't have fought yeah. me over it. Um, I think it's too that... that. The thing is, too, is that I don't want, I could get a job being like an assistant controller or something very responsible, but I don't want that. I just want to be a little AP clerk. And I just want to yeah. answer invoices and pay bills and have no responsibility. Yeah. Um, so it's hard for me because I am going for jobs that are so far beneath my skill level. Yeah. That means I'm probably able to do my boss's job. And it's hard to do that and not say something. If and that's intimidating to yeah people. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think you just gotta find the right. Like, I really enjoy my job, and all my supervisors. Every time I bring to them, like, hey, I know we've done it this way, but I think if we did it this way, it might be easier. I've never had anybody be offended by that. They're always like, yeah, that's actually a really good point. I've decided that I can't be part of an AP team. Um, I need like. You need to be the AP person. I need to be the AP person. I need it yeah. to be mine. I need them to be like, here's how we do it, but you do it. Like, but it, here's what you need to get done. I don't care how you do it. How just, you do it, just get it done. And yeah. AP, what is that? You pay the bills on time. Yeah. That's your only job as an accounts payable person is to accurately yeah. input the information and make sure shit gets paid. Yeah. Don't hardly ever talk to people if you're doing your job right because you don't have yeah. them calling you or emailing you because you're paying them. It's all it's a it can be cake. The job I had that I quit in January, they were holding checks. I think we discussed that at the mic. Yeah, we talked because that was like right when we first met.